You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Joined by the mighty Murph this week, who, uh, mate, you've got pretty broad shoulders, haven't you? You were saying off air, it's um, getting a bad back from Carrie and Dan and Yestin. Yeah, doing all the all the shovel work. I am all the groundwork. I know this. This is it, though. In, in the it? depths of winter, when there's no, you know, there's no, uh, there's no internationals. There's nothing much <laughs> going. This, this is classic Killick. This isn't it. He started. <laughs> he started the season all keen. And he's like, yeah, I'm back, I'm back, this is it. I'm going to be more alive this year. The, and what a week to leave us in it as well. You know, I feel like this is, after last week when we had France versus New Zealand, one of the best games of rugby I think I've ever seen and some of the, mm. you know, the most attacking, brilliant rugby in there. We're mm. then back into the UFC with some pretty dross games. I feel like it's, um, you know, those grand national winners. They they, they win, their, the, the jockey wins the national on, on Saturday. And come Tuesday, they've broken their ribs at Hexham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they get bumped off a ride because uh, <laughs> they've got a better jockey the following yeah, week. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, Having it's said that, uh, those games, the postponed two postponed games this week, they only would have been hide-ins anyway. I know. There's, a, there's yeah. only one place to start though, Murph, isn't there? That's it. Two games uh, involving the Welsh sides postponed mm. because of this new strand of COVID. Omicron, we're saying, is it? Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Not not something I was familiar with prior to prior to this weekend. Um, I, I I I mean, obviously they, they got to call it something, hmm. but they come up with some odd names with this one because it, 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 everyone's been saying, "Oh, it just sounds like a straight out of the Transformers <laughs> franchise." Uh, and um, I, I I don't know what the, I know what, with storms. I know how it works. It's alphabetical, yeah. and they go you know like that. But I don't know how they came up with this name for the latest. Uh, variant that we're dealing with the last one was let- letters and numbers i think in the summer um, delta variant well, yeah. or something yeah delta i think it's greek alpha, oh yeah isn't it? okay so, yeah so we've gone alpha right. i don't know what beta and gamma were uh, presumably there were variants like that but, yeah they yeah. were minor storms that came yeah. through <laughs> <laughs> yeah did they always name storms as well like I, I, they used I to know. do hurricanes and then storms all of a sudden have one but i don't know yeah it feels like an american thing to me yeah, yeah. so oh, money making yeah. scam isn't it yeah. <laughs> well, I, why does he need a bloody name? Sell, a selling, selling Storm Mildred T-shirts. Yeah, you just call it the latest Storm. It doesn't got. Yeah, I mean, it's got an identity or a I, I character or a personality or even a gender or a you know. I quite it's just like. A it. I bloody quite like weather it. system. I quite like it. It's something fun about having a name of of a storm. Mm. I mean, there's got to be something well, fun about them, isn't there? I'll give them more entertaining names then than just like Julia. You know, <laughs> if it's going to flatten a whole village in the Caribbean, give it a bastard of a name, you know. 
<laughs> I think, anyway. Yeah, oh no, I'm with you. Right, can you tell that we're filling two minutes in talking about storms, eh? Yeah, rugby. There we go. Um, well, yeah, I mean, this is it, though. It's, uh, oh, we got some, there's a there's a hell of an administrative mess ahead. Obviously, putting aside the health implications, which is the most important thing, this is going to cause massive knock-ons in the, in the UFC, potentially in the Heineken Cup. There's an almighty mm. mess ahead, isn't there? Yeah, I, I well, um, the USC because obviously at the moment the Scarlets and the Blues affected. Mm. Blue, uh, Scarlets apparently are on a flight home, but the Blues are still stuck there as a Munster, so they've got to isolate down there. And then I don't know what happens when they come home, but they have to isolate again. But obviously, other games are due to play in South Africa. Other teams are due to play in South Africa over the coming months, and they're not going to be. They're not going to happen. I mean, I, I don't know how long South Africa is going to be on the red list for. But it, it's not going to be over soon, so no. it's potentially the whole league. They might just... happen. They might happen over here, though. Maybe. Yeah, but then those South African teams are going to have to come over here, isolate for ten days, mm. play a load of games, and then go home. And like uh, uh, the international ones, who've been in a bubble since feels like June, are just going to say get stuffed to their employers. Mm. You know, I would imagine. Anyway, I would. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to complete the South, any South African fixtures between now and spring. It's almost, almost as if it was going to be problematic starting a, <laughs> yeah. starting a league with a side in another hemisphere in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, it's, well, I mean, um, it's going to be. A mess. I mean, everyone's second guessing when when we're going to be out of it, and um, I mean, I think people have been behaving like it's over in the last few weeks in this neck of the woods. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we, at least in Wales, we kept the mask things in shops and uh, shops and public transport. But um, because it, I think it was exempt in uh, hospitality, that's where people spend most of their time when they're out. <laughs> uh, therefore, Lots of people were just going around like it was finished. So especially youngsters, yeah, young people, temp, people who tend to socialise all the time, being going yeah. around like it's finished. And um, it clearly, it clearly is not. And I mean, I don't know what, how bad this next section of the pandemic is going to be. We might end up in lockdown again by Christmas, but um, it's just rumbling on, isn't it? And as I don't think it's uh, after this Omicron, there'll probably be another variant next yeah. year. So um, it, it's hard. It's, Hard if sports organisers, a sport, any body, to sort of we couldn't postpone the start of this league in case no. we were still going on. So there's not much they could do. They've just been caught out. No, look, you're you're right, and obviously, um, join us in the new year when we'll turn this into uh, a, a virology and vaccination podcast. The latest. Yeah. The, the yeah. latest development of this when inevitably sport gets stopped. I mean, hopefully it, it, it doesn't come to that. And obviously everything is speculation at the moment. And we don't know. Yeah, we don't know anymore. All we know is there's going to be a massive pile up if there is the opportunity to play sport. There's going to be a massive fixtures pile up. Mm. And uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to navigate them with their way out. And the the other thing is, of course, the, the financial knock-on of not having these games is very, very big. I mean... Realistically, in the in the grand scheme of things, in the sports terms, it doesn't matter. You know, this league is largely inconsequential, and uh, you know, someone will win it, probably Leinster, and that'll be uh, well, they did lose this weekend, uh, and you know, that'll be that. But the financial knock-on of potentially having a lot of postponed fixtures that need to be cancelled, particularly when there's good broadcast money coming in from South Africa, is uh, could leave clubs. In a, in a tricky position again, having endured, you know, two years of two years of pretty miserable finances. Anyway, that's not even taken into account if, fan, you know, there there is more kind of lockdown style restrictions and fans aren't allowed into into stadia again. So, yeah, mm. worrying times ahead. Um, I would well, say it, the sport doesn't really many leave many gaps for postponed games to be caught up no. on. Anyway, you know, a couple. Of games, maybe we can you can catch up on. But if it drags on, if South Africa uh, uh, their teams are out of bounds for anything like a month or two mm. months, they won't be caught up on. I don't think there's any time in the calendar to catch up on them. So um, 
it'll be interesting to see how they navigate it. It's going to be so unless, tricky. Unless while we're playing the Heineken Cup, because they're not in it this year, are they? It's only as of next season. Uh, oh, right. If, yeah, yeah. If, if they play each other and get as many of those games out of the way, that might buy a bit more time towards the end of the season. I don't know. Yeah, but... I, uh, <laughs> when, it, when inevitably the Welsh sides will be out of the Heineken Cup. So yeah. that'll free up some time as well. But aren't they in full lockdown in South Africa? No, I yeah, don't I suppose you're any... right. They're not playing, are they? Yeah, Yeah, so I don't know if they'd be allowed to. Um, and, and the issue we just was discussing off here is um, Munster and uh, Cardiff might not be back in time and out of uh, isolation or quarantine in time to uh, take the field for their first mm. Heineken Cup games, maybe for the second one, which is uh, 18th or 10th, I'm not sure. Yes, it's the 18th. Uh, yeah, so maybe for that one, but the first one, they're not guaranteed to be here. So, uh, And that's a, that's a rearrangement that there's no room for either. No. So um, it could end up just having to say, okay, if, if you've got... If, <laughs> yeah, if you, you, lose, you lose your game. Yeah. It, it just decides to 28, 28 nil job like they did last year, and I think it was the Autumn Nations Cup, the Amazon yeah, Cup. That's right. If you can't feel the side, or for any reason you can't, there's twenty eight nil, and that's the end of that. But, um, Another side who didn't manage to get to the field this weekend, which uh, I hadn't managed to to follow this story at all, Murph, was the Barbarians. Oh yeah, yeah. What the hell happened there then? Yeah, well, it, uh, they, they've had an outbreak in the. Um, Barbarian squad, which is obviously on the back of last year's disaster as well, where they'd broken the bubble. There was no mm. bubble this year for them to break, so they hadn't broken any rules, but they had still had an outbreak of um, COVID in the camp. Six positive, I think. Something like that. It was enough. Mm. And it was quite short notice that the Samoans were notified and they were actually at Twickenham getting their kit on. And um, weirdly, I thought it was a little bit weird. They still... It's funny, it shows how much uh, rugby means to tier one, tier three, uh, tier two, tier three nations now mm. because, like, our our players are highly paid, over overworked, you know, uh, uh, on the on the on the edge of burnt out most of the time, and probably um, would have enjoyed a weekend off <laughs> if they'd had a cancellation. But uh, the Samoans were out on the pitch doing that anthem on their own. And uh, when they were interviewed for, uh, I think it was BBC were broadcasting it, um, Chota Corey was about to play his last ever international game, his 50th cap, I think it was, or maybe it was just his 50th, not his last game. There was a few boys there who were going to play their last international. And Chota Corey was crying because the game was off. So it shows what, you know, they're, they're not on uh, massive amounts of money from their union. Obviously, they got they got good contracts in France or wherever they play. But at international level, to them, it's still like it was uh, being picked for Wales in the '80s or the yeah. '60s or any other decade when it wasn't professional, because they're not—they're not on a you know not on large amounts of money when they pay for Samoa. So it still had that big emotional um, impact on them, and it was—it uh, was really jarring when you consider what what international rugby is is like these days, you know. And anyway, so they because that happened, um, they brought forward the. Uh, Baba South Africa women's game to put on live TV, and um, that was not the same thing because uh, the, the South African women's team looked like they'd never played. Some of them looked like they'd never thrown a ball before. Yeah, it so, was a uh, complete hammering, wasn't it? Yeah, the, it was weird. That the, particularly the nine and particularly the ten for South Africa uh, didn't look like they done much rugby before so uh, anyway but they had some in fairness some serious athletes in the side mm. but just not the basic skills across their team wasn't there so that that is a that is a big problem with um with the women's game and again you know, I've said before I'm, I'm no expert at all when it comes to women's rugby but you do get some of the mismatches and that's not a criticism of the sport at all it's it's just a, a harsh reality of the funding and we've said this before you know Wales have been massively underfunded if at all funded for a very very long period of time, which has you know there have there have been changes in in recent months, but of course as a result you know of course England are, the, are going to be the best side in the world because they're the best funded, and yeah. that's that's not to say they're not brilliant athletes and the most talented players on the earth, but they're also the most prepared, and that's what happens when you have something that that sits between you know that you 
where you have some sides that are, that are well funded and, and some that aren't. That's the, the disparity yeah, they, that you're going to get. They didn't definitely didn't look professional players. The South Africans uh, and Wales. I mean, Wales has only just come professional. Mm. Women's rugby in Wales has only just come professional. While we're on the subject, I don't know. We started off talking about COVID cancellations in this game and went on to women's rugby quite quickly. Uh, while we're on the subject, my club is starting a women's side next. Well, they're training now, but I don't think they've got a fixture till the new year. So mm. um, that's a quite exciting a big priority for us at the moment is women's rugby especially the way especially the way that first team are playing <laughs> uh yeah well I, I spoke this week um to the um the head of the rfu believe it or not not for uh, not for not for this podcast obviously well, if you were calling you for advice was he uh, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um and uh yeah the that was that was something that that kind of um, that cropped up was you know what the the community game looks like and and the area the kind of growth areas taking it away you know taking it away from the professional women's game and they you know there are continuing really encouraging numbers when it comes to when it comes to women's rugby which is you know which is great to see and mm. it's um, yeah it, it is encouraging and obviously it's good that more and more sides like like the Wanderers are. Um, yeah, and, and it's all, I, I, I honestly think it's all just down to exposure. Yeah. It's just on telly with, you know, um, women presented, women playing, women doing, it's not just a sideshow for the men's game, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's the base of all, most of it. And um, it's also, from our point of view, from a, a championship club like us, it's the biggest growth part of the sport. Yeah. Women's rugby is the biggest growth part of rugby. So, um, yeah, we just thought we don't want to be left behind, basically. No, absolutely, and um, I'm sure I'm sure it'd be a big success. Where do you want to take this conversation next, Murph? Because we've got a couple of, uh, I guess the the two things that we haven't looked at yet are the big news with regards to uh, the eligibility laws and the uh, largely underwhelming UFC rugby that we witnessed this weekend shall, yeah. shall we tackle those things now and then we'll we'll look at we'll uh, we'll tackle the, the rugby now and then we'll have a look at the the eligibility laws in the second half of the show well uh, i i would have said the eligibility thing because it could be quite a long topic and if it is a long topic that means we don't have to speak about the ufc very long now that's true so i'm thinking yeah. we speak about the ufc briefly now okay. and then in the second half to keep to keep our listeners <laughs> make, sure, make, make sure they're not skipping through our chat about, about this. To be make honest, sure they're not tuning into a Welsh rugby podcast to skip past the Welsh rugby bit <laughs> and go on to the rest. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's idea. it. I, I preferred it when you were talking about storms. Get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's have a chat about that. Friday night, Ospreys uh, lost to Connacht in the most Galway-like weather you've ever seen. Mm. Um, weird game I thought actually and I think I said you know it was a, a pretty poor performance from the Ospreys defensively and that just that's that's what that's what really cost them I thought it's weird because you know set piece and particularly the scrum seemed to go pretty well but I just thought yeah defensively there was lots of really simple errors and that that for me was where they was where they lost the game yeah I thought they were shocking defensively mm. I mean they they tackled like a side that was going to get 40 points put on them yeah I was I, I was quite surprised that it got you know, it ended up being that many points because it was such disgusting conditions. But they were tackling was all. I don't want to bring out any individual names, especially after my, <laughs> especially after I announced that Tompkins was useless and then he played well the following week. Uh, but there was a couple of players in particular who were awful um, defensively. You know, real. Uh, I was going to say Sunday morning football type efforts, yeah. but half-hearted tackles and just. I mean, if you face it, like Connacht were coming out all guns blazing around the breakdown and uh, in the carries, and if you don't meet fire with fire, that's what's going to happen to you. You're just going to you're going to get roughed up. It, it, there was a few where they, they, they Connacht play was held, and then because the Ospreys player wasn't being aggressive enough, they'd broken out and they, mm-hmm. they were gone again. And it, it, I think it was at least one or two of the tries were just players that were held and were let go again. Um, so yeah, they're a little bit. The Ospreys are a little bit Jekyll and Hyde at the moment because, as we've said before, with apart from that one game at home to the 
a South African side. I can't remember which. Uh, a, I want to say a side named after an animal from South Africa <laughs> beat them. That if it wasn't for that poor performance, they were unbeaten at that stage. Mm. Uh, and uh, obviously, lots of players missing in this game, so I don't think they were ever going to win this one away in Connaught with the side they put out. But you shouldn't really be getting 40 points put on you. No, you've got to keep... And weirdly, they they were back in it after about 60 minutes, weren't they, I think? Mm. Or, or certainly at half, you know, half time, they were they were in the game. But yeah. yeah, it was just that really, really disappointing defensive performance. And like you say, falling off tackles, very little intensity at the breakdown. Yeah. And I don't... You know, obviously, we've seen all... All side, all climbers get steamrolled by Leinster or Munster or Ulster, and that's no slight on Connacht, but they are the the side that is has the smallest playing budget. And obviously, it's a tough place to go, and there's no disgrace in losing there. But it's disappointing when they're sticking forty on you if you're a side that has real ambitions to go on and achieve things in the in the season. And uh, I, I think that was uh, yeah a real real disappointing performance from the Ospreys. Yeah, shocking. Um... Yeah, I can see. I mean, obviously there's injuries, but I can see everyone that's been away will be straight back in the side of first opportunity mm. after that. Sometimes they like to, you know, kind of Manage feed them in a load of it, yeah. one or two at a time, and uh, yeah. But um, it, that was... I mean, yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you've got the Heineken Cup not far away, or the first round of the Heineken Cup in a, mm. in a couple of weeks. Which again, you would think the Ospreys would be. Would be targeting as to you know, really wanting to put uh, put in some good performances in there, um, so I don't know. Maybe I, yeah, maybe you'd hold back your internationals for that, or you you introduce them a, a bit in in next week's fixture. Mm. But yeah, it's um, yeah they're gonna they're gonna need um, need to put together a better performance next week. I want I want to say it's Ulster next week, and if and, it, and if it is, they are fresh off a win against Leinster. Yeah, is that at home though? Uh, I presume it is. Let's have a look. Um, God, we know everything there is to know about storms, but um, when it comes to the fixture list, sadly, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think half the actual teams know the fixture list in this division. No, I think you're probably right. It is. It is Ospreys at home to Ulster, three pm on Saturday afternoon. Well, like they're gonna. So, I mean, they got it. They, they owe the coach, the fans, everyone a, a performance after this week. So, um, I would imagine. I mean, there's quite a few Ospreys boys who are. Uh, in and around the. Excuse me, I just muted myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not not too many minutes, like say Gareth Thomas, the prop, and whatever. You. So there's yeah. there's a few that can come straight back in without any fear of burning them out or anything else. So um, yeah, it, it, yeah, they they looked shoddy to me, really poor. Yeah, I'm trying to think how many players there are actually to come back in, but you know, I suppose obviously you've got Anson. well, Rodri Jones who didn't. But he was in the West squad and didn't play a minute. Yeah, and yeah. then you've got yeah Gareth Anscombe, Adam Beard. Obviously, I'm, I'm presuming won't be won't Cast, be fit yeah. for a little while, for a little while yet. Yeah. yeah, but um, Tom Francis, Cuffy, yeah. Cuffy, yeah, a few more to come. Yeah, I, I actually there's a lot of players in there, like as you mentioned, who didn't get a lot of game time over the over the no. autumn. <laughs> uh, so you you think Cuthbert would be straight back in? Yeah, you have. Um, a couple of those others dropped into it as well, but absolutely, they they weirdly the performance. Weirdly, and this leads us in nicely into the Dragons. Someone who played nearly every minute of every game in the autumn started today, uh, yesterday for the Dragons. Team Basham. Yeah, and promptly got injured. Yeah, I was yeah. Just thinking there. Yeah, I don't know what the thinking was. I don't know. And again, it's one of those <laughs> positions where, like we said, Dragons have a lot of back row forwards. Mm. I'm not sure if there's injuries I'm not aware of because Hugh Taylor was on the bench and he's probably a bit further down the the pecking order. Obviously Moriarty's injured. I'm yeah. guessing that Wayne Wright was a you know was a managing the the workload stuff. But mm. yeah, it, it's a bit it's a it's a big ask considering he. The, the well, I was surprised when he played four straight games for the Welsh team in the yeah. in the autumn series. That's unusual. How many players do that? No. Uh, and then and then to get no break when he's come back. It's very strange, and um, I don't know what the injury was. I didn't. I didn't see the beginning of the game. I think he got caught at the bottom of a ruck. Um, it looked like I don't know is it, whether it's in the knee or an ankle or something. Something's been twisted, but um, no, yeah, right, it yeah. looked like it was a like a, a big clear out that he got caught. I might be talking nonsense, but that's that's what it looked like. As you can <laughs> tell, it's one of those one of those games where um, I've been watching it 
and uh, perhaps not the most uh, the most invested in it at the same time. One of those games that we zipped through, Murph. It was uh, it was one of them, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I caught the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think the scoreline flattered the Dragons a bit. They the first twenty minutes was appalling, and it made you know their their tackling match the Ospreys. It was really poor, and again, it was. It was disappointing, you know. Jonah Holmes was very easily bumped for uh, for a try. Rio Dyer was falling off tackles. Sam Davis missed touch with penalty kicks. You know, yeah. real basic errors that you just cannot afford to have. And the weird thing is, is all season Dragons have started and had really good first twenties, and the first twenty this week looked like they've been in the pub for four weeks, and um, <laughs> that was really not, um, yeah, really not what you wanted to see. But then, having got back in the game. Um, Edinburgh, to be fair, were much the better side, particularly at the breakdown. Adamson, mm. I think, you know, let them not get away with murder, but it was again one of those games where it was refereed very much in the style of the defending side uh, having the opportunity to jackal really, really hard, or just get hands near the ball and and be rewarded for it. Um, yeah. But you know, Dragons couldn't couldn't really match that, and we just got you know too often there were players on their own carrying the ball into contact and either getting turned or giving away penalties. And yeah, it was real, real disappointing. And, you know, I said at the start of the season, it's about, I think what the Dragons needed to do this year is turn Rodney Parade back into a fortress to start, A, make it hard to win there, which they have done to a certain degree, but B, win some games there, which I don't think we've won a home game yet. Um, I'm pretty sure we haven't. And mm. um and that's uh, yeah, that's that's a real disappointing um, position to be in this way, this 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 part through the season. It was a shame because it was almost, uh, with the exception of maybe Ashton Hewitt, is almost a full, uh, full strength backline. Um, yeah, no, Roger, no, Roger Williams maybe, but yeah. at the same time, Bertrand is you know uh, he'd be my first choice personally. Yeah, yeah. and Nyowin came off the bench after half hour or so, mm. and so then you've got Jamie Roberts, Nyowin. Jordan Williams, uh, uh, Jonah Holmes, and it's only Ashton Hewitt then missing yep. Sam Davis and, and whoever you prefer at nine. Um, and the back row was so strong. The back row mm. was still uh, initially Caddy, Betcham, Batcham, uh, Griffiths. Uh, obviously they were weakened. Oh, Leon Brown was off, off the bench as well, yep. so that was uh, you know that was good news. But um, just didn't cope with them up front. It was just a breakdown game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I thought Maximo had a good game, actually. I thought he, you know, obviously you, you miss the likes of Will Rollins, like we've said before, when Rollins isn't, you know, he's, he's made a big impact, particularly with his ball carrying. I thought Maximo had a good game. And um, Griffiths, as always, was, you know, was an absolute terrier at the breakdown and won some, won some good turnovers. But it was, yeah, not um, not vintage stuff. And no. it's just it's just the unforced errors that absolutely kill the dragons, you know. Yeah, yeah. And again, at half time or on the, in the in the approach to half time, you've got an opportunity to take a kick at goal, get the the scoreline level at seventeen all, keep yourself in the game. They go to the go to the corner, and uh, and and end up not scoring from it. Um, yeah. It might even have been that that happened on two occasions. Uh, you know, I think they might have got another penalty after that then kick to the corner again and not got it. And I just I know that there is probably something statistically that says when you go for the corner, it means that you've got the territory. So even if you don't score a try, it's very hard for the opposition to get out of their own half. But I just don't understand it, I, particularly at that point where it's so close to half time. It's not like, you you know, territory is the, is the be all and end all there. Keep yeah. yourself in the game, go in level at half time, having not played very well and go out and, and go again in the second half. And that just means that when Edinburgh did score their try uh, in the in the second half, they'd extended their lead beyond one try. You know, it, it's just it's just things like that that I think are so, you know, are, are frustrating and, and things where you've got, to, you've got to kind of have a think about the, the game that's around you rather than just what the, the playbook says. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if, if you're the type of side that's got uh, like a... A driven line out that's like a runs like a Swiss watch, you know what I mean? Mm. Then by all means, you know, if you're Munster or uh, I don't know, Saracens or something, yeah, then by all means do it. But Newport's is okay at best, so just take the points and then you can reset in the change rooms and come back out. And uh, too often, I think sides fancy themselves, yeah, unrealistically in situations like that, a lot, especially well, sides fancy themselves from a from a sort of 10 meter line out, and um, yeah. 
I don't know what their success rate is in those situations. Well, I think, not yeah, I think the success rate is low. But again, I think there is something that says by being in the opposition 22, it's then hard for them to it's then hard for them to get out. You yeah. know, so even if you knock the ball on, it's still then a scrum on the opposed line. And mm. and then even if they win it and kick, you know, you, you're still you're still in their half. But yeah. I just think sometimes like, well, yeah, great. But points on the board. And, and keep things ticking over, particularly yeah, if you're a, a, a side who doesn't score very many tries. Well, I mean, an international side would take the points nearly every time. Mm. Our international side would anyway. So, um, you know, unless you're up against a weaker weaker opposition. If you were up against top quality opposition, you would take the points. Yeah, it's um, to, to be fair, there's a lot of, um, it's worth mentioning, there's a lot of good performances from Edinburgh as well, though. Um uh, I think it's Crosby, the open side flanker, was uh, was man of the match, and he was absolutely superb. Uh, Blair Kinghorn again, uh, less so in the second half. But in the first half, just looked really comfortable at ten, and I, mm. you know, I, I I very much have him down as a fullback, but he's um he's a very handy utility player to have around. Obviously, he's he's a first choice player for Edinburgh, but he's a very handy utility player for Scotland to have in and around the squad. Yeah, but it was a time uh, not that many seasons ago when Scotland was struggling for an international outside half. Oh, yeah. Now, now there's quite a few knocking around with Hastings and all the other boys, you know, that not just the first choice guy, but the guys on behind them, they're all good yeah. quality tens now. So, Yeah, exactly. But they were, um, and I can't remember the winger's name uh, on the right wing, but he had, an, he had an absolutely outstanding game as well. So, yeah, they're. Um, yeah, they're no um, they're no bad side at all, Edinburgh. I think Mike Blair's moving them, moving them in a good direction. They've still got that steeliness that they had up front, but they've also got a um, you know real real slick backline that can go when they want to. Uh, Dragons next week then head up to Scotland away to Glasgow, which uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't look like an easy one on paper, does it? No, um, and it. it... I mean, I can't imagine the Dragons are prioritising Europe. No. So they just well go fully loaded with whoever's available again from, from the Welsh squad. Yeah, I suppose it's it's mildly encouraging that Glasgow lost to Benetton, um, possibly. But mm. at the same time, you know, um, it's it's a home game. It's a home game for Glasgow and a, a tough, um, yeah, a tough assignment. For, that for probably Dragons, just... The, the, that probably just means Benetton are going to be really hard to beat this season. <laughs> yeah, given how Glasgow. awful they were last year, you know they've they've had a much better start to this season. Yeah, I think if memory serves me correctly, Murph, I think that's the case because it feels like that club season, you know, the start of the club season was so long ago um, that I I almost can't remember half of it. But oh. anyway, there we go. Um, right, that'll do us for the first half. Um, coming up in the second half, we're going to have a chat about uh, international eligibility, which I think is one. One of the biggest stories of the week. But right now, we're going to take a very quick break. Right then, Murph. This week, World Rugby announced the uh, the eligibility laws would be changing. Uh, well, I mean, this is, this is an absolutely massive change, to be fair. I mean, having... Changed what about twenty years ago uh, to say that you couldn't um, play for for two international sides during your career. It has now been uh, it's now been announced that you will be able to do so and change allegiances if you um, stand down uh, for a period of three years and you qualify through not through residency through. Um, yeah, yeah, through uh, through birthright. a mother or father. Yeah, birthright, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, um, and also and also ancestry. Yeah, yeah, yeah an- ancestry and birthright. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that's. Uh, I mean, it's a massive development. Obviously, I think this had been mooted for a while, but there was a lot of. I would say a lot of people thinking that this would be just if you were moving from a tier one to a tier two nation, and uh, it's going to be applied now across the board. Mm. Thoughts. Well, look, the, the, the root of this, um, I imagine, is down to that documentary Oceans Apart mm. by, Dan, is it Daniel Dan Leo? Leo? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is on uh, Bezos Prime. Uh, <laughs> uh, still, well, that's what I saw anyway, I imagine it's still on there. Uh, and it pointed out that the South Sea Islands just get 
uses uses mini academies by certain nations, uh, and then uh, players may have a handful of caps uh, for the their new nation, whoever that mm. is, Australia, New Zealand, or whoever, and then they're discarded, and then they'd never play international rugby again. And uh, countries like Fiji, Tonga, Western uh, Samoa, <laughs> show my age, um, uh, never get access to those players again. So th- that was the broadly speaking, that was the motivation behind this new ruling. Um, and the, the only reason this has come up is partly because of a question from one of our listeners who we name drop him. Is it um, Nick Huntley? Nick something? Uh, and also, uh, the first article I read on the, on this subject was uh, the first example it gave of what the ruling can do was that Alex Lazowski, who hasn't been picked for England for a couple of seasons, mm. could now play for Italy because his mother was from his grandmother. Sorry, I think I think it was is from Italy, and that is not what the intention. I, I mean, don't get me wrong; Italy need the players, so yeah. it would benefit everyone if Italy do better. But that was not the intention of the ruling. The ruling was to help people like. Charles Pietro. Yeah, Charles, yeah, exactly. There's, there's loads we could name, you know, who've been in that situation. But international rugby misses out by not having Charles Pietro on an international stage or the world stage or playing in the World Cup or whatever. It's a and little t- bit like... Um, and Tonga miss out by not having players of that class in, in their side, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we, I don't know how many players Fiji will gain access to. As a result of this, but it's not good. It's not good news for Wales in in the next World Cup because we were already, yeah, we were already going to be hard pushed to beat Fiji in France in 2023. I think got an extra five quality players in their squad. That's an extra five quality players who might get sent off against Wales, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we're still playing and if we're still using that tactic in two years' time, then yeah, that'll be ideal. Um, so uh, what I can. What the worry is, uh, and what this uh, listener questioned us on, was uh, the kind of resourcefulness of Tier 1 nations now will go around scouring the earth, looking for players who's been capped elsewhere, who might happen to have a relative in the, the new country or an ancestor in the new country. And we'll have a... I mean, we, we used to do... <laughs> we used to do um, the... Um, imaginary grandmother with Shane mm. Howarth and Brett, Brett Sinkinson, Sinkinson and mm. people like that and now it's, it's a legit route most of the people um, Gareth Anscombe's mother genuinely was Welsh and then the mm. others are usually here on residency and you know that's legit but now it feels like so long obviously the ruling had to come in because it, it is worthwhile having out the South Sea Islands but now there's, it, it just seems like the way the journalists are covering this already that there's an air where we're just going to get a glut of players moving around different nations when they weren't really the intended uh, beneficiaries yeah. i mean you do you do worry in theory that um you know samoa cap a 20 year old kid who looks absolute dynamite and impresses at the world cup and then ends up you know being courted by england or whatever and obviously I'm picking England as the villain, uh, you know, it ends up being caught by either England, New Zealand, whatever it might be. And then, you know, it's kind of offered a bit, offered a big contract and ends up doing that three-year stand-down period, not playing for Samoa during that time. Um, and, you know, is then, what, 23 by the time they're able to, to play for the country and might play a handful of caps for England, might mm. go on and be a superstar. But I, the, the problem for me is that it, it might open the door to... Again, the bigger financial powers being able to lure players away from the the less well off unions, and as a result, we're in a we're in a similar, if not worse, position. Now, obviously, that's a hypothetical example, but yeah. the the my, my and again, it was my problem with the residency law as well is not that you know someone can go and live somewhere and fully embrace the culture and then end up playing for their national side you know that's that's fantastic that's that's a that's a brilliant thing my my concern with residency was always that you would have unions actively out there bringing players in as project players you know as as we've seen in the northern hemisphere and again that then just becomes a question of 
being able to financially resource it. So that's you know if you've got if you've got more money and you're a richer union, then you're able to you know you're able to recruit talent in a way that a club side can. And that's the bit that that's the bit that bugs me because that's what the international game is supposed to be a leveler for, right? Obviously, there's always going to be certain financial advantages, but if you're actually able to go and recruit players as a result to make yourself stronger, that that doesn't sit right with me. Um, obviously, that law is changing as well. That was uh, that's being extended to five years. That was announced a few years ago and then subsequently been postponed. But I think it's as of next calendar year. I right. think it's the start of 2022 that residency laws become five years which again kind of I think limits that a lot more if you've got to bring someone over and wait five years for them to play so five years is a long time in rugby yeah um, it is yeah uh, so yeah that's that's my that my concern with it is just that that richer nations will be able to will be able to benefit through being rich rather than through producing their own talent yeah uh, and for some reason I imagine it'll be countries tier one nations in this part of the world like for example mm. south africa new zealand are exporters of players they're yeah. exporters of, uh, exporters of international players mm. obviously new zealand benefit from south sea island talent but they generally speaking every time they play a side up here there's two or three kiwis playing against them yeah um and south africa export lots of international players so it's not an issue for them Really, it's not going to change much because they they don't go around looking for uh, they they don't go around looking for um, uh, Welsh boys who've got a, a, a New Zealand grandparents. It's just no. not it's not something they need to do. They they churn out so many players, especially in South Africa. I mean, they churn out so many players. It's not something they need. But uh, I can imagine. Yeah, I I, I think that the intention of the ruling is great. Mm. I don't think anyone disagrees with it but i can imagine there being some unforeseen circumstances come as a result of it yeah no exactly and i think if it had been as as i expected it to be you can move from tier one to tier two so charles Piertau, for example having been capped for new zealand could then go back and represent tonga that alleviates that completely doesn't it mm-hmm. and you know and again so in theory you could have um, I think I think Morgan Stoddard mentioned this, and again, these are all hypotheticals, but you've got to kind of run them through. But in theory, you could have a player who um, is eligible to play for play for Wales, or a Welsh player goes to play in England because he doesn't have enough caps to play uh, to be picked, picks up a big contract, and then ends up playing for England. Mm. That you know that could conceivably happen. Let's say, for example, um, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, in theory, Lewis Rees-Amit might go. Do you know what, bugger it, I don't want to go and play for Cardiff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick. Well, Callum Sheedy was almost the one who wasn't yeah. sure which nationality he was going to play for. It's different because he wasn't capped at all. It's, but it's, it, well, he was. Yeah, he, he did play for England though. It's in a uh, age grade. Yeah, no, in a Barbar's game. Oh right. right. Oh okay. I think and Johnny Williams. Well, Johnny Williams definitely did, and I think Sheedy was in the squad if he didn't start. Right. Um. Yeah. But it was an, it was an uncapped fixture, so they obviously weren't captured. So is there a, is there a uh, caveat where you, it's got to be from tier one down to tier two? Or, no, 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 no. There's it's no caveats. It's yeah. free fall. So that's because a, yeah. uh, 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 I think someone on I don't know if it was Twitter or someone else said a lot of the really small nations could do well out of this ruling as well. Yeah, um, like discarded internationals from all sorts of countries could end up like running out for. Venezuela, or, yeah, or you know. Morocco, or something, or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 which, yeah, which you know is is inter- Yeah, that that is interesting, isn't it? You know, if there's a that um, would help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, obviously, you know, you've still got you've still got that three year three year period to to observe, but um, yeah, I but mean, not, not I, if they've got not if they've got ancestry in that country. You still no, but I mean, you've still got. Let's say you know. Oh, you've a, got to be a, a sorry, Moroccan yeah, yeah. French prop. He's yeah, then no, got to wait right, three yeah, years yeah. before playing for Morocco. Yeah, he's got um, to be in the international wilderness cap for three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's very similar to the. Um, I think the cricket rules are like this, aren't they? But I mean, cricket's always been a bit mad because you've, um, you know, you've only got a handful of 
nations who play test cricket and stuff like that and naturally you know the the game is a something of a hangover from the empire anyway isn't it so you've always mm. had players turning out for for different international sides um but yeah i think yeah i, I hope that it ends up being an advantage to to smaller nations and as a result of the um you know in in kind of the the spirit of the game but it's a professional sport we're playing now isn't there so if there is if there is a loophole there to be exploited you can you can guarantee that um that tier 1 nations will do it yeah i would imagine there's a lot of journalists going around the leagues looking at looking at players um, international record and their their answers i don't know i don't know how you research someone's uh, parents place of birth or their grandparents place of birth but i would imagine there'd be a lot of journalists trying to find a story linked to this now mm. nothing's come out yet though i mean it came out what did it come out friday uh no it was earlier than that i think wasn't it all right i haven't heard um, anything yeah. since so no well yeah i think i think it was earlier in the week and then obviously attentions have kind of certainly in wales anyway have turned towards the uh the covid related news in south africa but mm. it's an interesting one murph we'll see i have to see how it uh yeah, how it pans out. It it was Nick Humphrey, by the way, the guy who uh, the guy who got in touch with us, and one of those examples. Oh, I got he, his uh, name wrong. Yeah, well yeah, one of those exact. Well, I, I think he'd be disappointed if he didn't. <laughs> True um, perform. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, one of those examples that he quoted was Justin Tipperick playing for uh, playing for Croatia. Which I mean, who knows how how amazing would that be in? Uh, <laughs> you know, in uh, in in a few years' time when he's when he's finished playing with Wales, it might be quite incredible to watch him. Uh, Watch him play over there. I think Dan yeah. Luger's dad coached Croatia for a while because right. he was uh, he's Croatian. Um, that was I think that's uh, his his heritage. If, I'm struggling if to see might. what uh, Justin Tipperick's motivation is in this, though. To be honest, I mean he, his body must be in bits now. Mm. <laughs> so three years after he finishes, turning uh, up in a World Cup preliminary qualifier against yeah. Malta. Yeah, with titanium hips, you know. Mm. Yeah. He'd still be good on one hip, obviously. Of course, he would. Yeah, yeah. You're, you might, you might be right on that. He might put him in, put him in his yeah. natural position of outside centre. Exactly. For, um, for Croatia, he is. He is one of those players who just loves rugby, though, isn't he? He's, you know. Yeah, it's the Alan Bateman thing, isn't it? Yeah. Alan Bateman was playing way down the divisions, well into his forties, way down. You know, really low standard, just because he loved playing rugby. Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah, which is quite heartening in a way in an era mm. when. Um, I know you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, Murph, but obviously we had our um, our chat with Jamie Roberts went out this week. Again, if any listeners haven't caught up with that one, make sure you go back and have a listen. But um, yeah, he talks about rugby being you know a monotonous existence of uh, you know the same weights, the same the same training schedules, you know, mm. lots of things being very very similar and and almost almost joyless at times. And uh, I do like it when you come across those players like Tipperick who just have such a love for the sport that um, it, you know it gives you a bit of faith that, that perhaps it's not just all, yeah, not just all monotony and, and conditioning. Repetition. Yeah, exactly. Just a um, life of conditioning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, the, the one I when you ever whenever we mention anyone brings up that subject of the amount of training is uh, the interviewed the English guy who was part of the South African World Cup squad and I think he was an s and and uh, he was saying that um, Peter Steph Tudoy hates training does he? loves playing hates training he has to be pretty much arm twisted into everything he does in the gym or any kind of fitness work he just he just does not want to be there not interested and then a whistle match day comes whistle goes and he just switches on just you know I think the perception is the, or Certainly, I am of the opinion that a lot of uh, t- professional and top I- professional international players they need to be able to, apart from being good at rugby, they need to be able to withstand the amount of training that's involved mm-hmm. these days. The joints in their body has to, like Sam Auburn is a good example. He's just, you know, a machine in the gym, and Dan Lydiard as well, just amazing in the gym. So it's quite refreshing to hear of like a really top quality international player who couldn't give a shit. You know, yeah. like if you follow Sam Walpin on um, Instagram, he still trains like a professional now. He just beats himself all the time. He just loves yeah. it. It's just his like it's what it's his hobby. It's what he likes doing. He's an obs- he's an obsessive character, isn't he? Um, yeah. When it comes to you know, when it comes to any one percent that he could do to make himself better, 
um, he did. And again, sim- similar. Well, on a sorry, on a, a different um, on a different angle. Again, Roberts talks about. Well, I, I was one of those players who could turn it on on the pitch, and he talks about playing for the. <laughs> funny enough, playing for the Barbarians when they beat the All Blacks, and again yeah. the side had been on the piss all week, and it was just like, look, you know, you don't need to think about rugby all the time to be good. But I, I think that just comes down to different personality traits, doesn't it? And yeah, um, yeah. you look at someone like again, we had a couple of um, ex Ospreys on here over the years, Kai and Adam Jones and Sean Connor saying that Alan Jones was dangerous in training. You know, they said from the minute they they set eyes on him, it was like a nineteen year old kid. He was going in trying to just destroy people in in contact yeah. training, and that's just the way that the way that he does it. And obviously, it's done him no harm for twenty years, no. is it? I can't imagine, you know, um, the con- uh, contact training sessions in South Africa are taken lightly with Peter Seftutoy or mm. all the All Blacks or any other big nations. But when it comes to the you know the relentless conditioning and all the other Bloody mm. uh, co- uh, core work and all the stuff they yeah. do. Uh, this Steph Dutoy just doesn't want to know. But I can imagine as soon, you know, it, it, training, training, when there's a ball involved, I bet he yeah. loves it. But he's just not interested in the rest of it. So it's quite refreshing to you, I think, in this era. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I like to think that um, that a lot of that French, I, that French side would be the same as well. There's a, there's a fair bit of... Um, there was, there was something just like brilliantly French about that performance against New Zealand, mm. and and the the only more French thing they could do is go on and lose their next game. You know, yeah. it's one of those, one of those magnificently erratic things that um yeah, yeah. that is great about French rugby. But yeah, that was we didn't really talk about it much last week, but it it, no, it was, really was one of the yeah most entertaining games I've seen well, there for was, a very long time. There was almost a, a one hundred and ten meter try. Because of uh, Romain Entomac off his own dead ball line. Newly. I'm not lying. That is the best non-try that I've ever seen. Mm. And I include that Mark Jones one in that against France where he ran 90 metres and fell fractionally short. This this would that, If that had happened, I think that would have been the best try ever. Well, it, it, if it, someone had it, gone over. Again, it goes, uh, goes back to the professional era thing. Um, uh, I, I think I mentioned it from the Wales All Blacks game where... Uh, Aaron Wainwright broke That's out right. and, and fed. Um, uh, it was Owen, Owen Lane who was trying to pass inside to Johnny Williams. And if Johnny Williams had made another pass, we could have been over under the post, having been. Da, da, da. But it was the Bowden Barrett tap down and yes, it was, didn't yeah. get yellow carded. Uh, similar situation with the French try from their own dead ball. Uh, Roman Entomac made the break and it was a, some amazing support. And they got up to about 10 yards out, I think. And then Adi Severe killed the ball. Yeah. Because why wouldn't he? Because he's a professional, and he doesn't want to. He'd take the yellow card or the three points, which would be his preferred outcome, mm. uh, rather than seven points under the post or seven points, to, you know, conceded. And and that's the way it is. But in a different data, that would have been left. <laughs> they would have been honest at the breakdown, left the ball yeah. be won quickly, and tried to defend the quick ball out wide. And that's just not in the. It's just not in the mentality of professional rugby. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But I mean, hopefully, the looking on the the bright side, I'm taking the Killick mould this week. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and look on the bright side and just say that 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 ambition. I, I mean, I know to be fair, he was if he'd have dotted it down, it would have been. I can't remember if he carried the ball back over. It either would have been a scrum five or a or a goal line dropout. Um, so it's not all born out of romanticism, but just no. the sheer ambition to go. Yeah, I'm going I mean, and commit to it as well. Mm. And the no look pass and everything about that was just pure swagger and uh, it was just yeah. a joyous thing to watch. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of countries, um, a player could have done that and found himself short of support in no time at all. But his, his teammates bought into it and that's, that's what made it come off, aside from his own, you know, amazing ability on his own line. That everyone was, the, the winger and fullback were there with him in no time. And uh, I mean, it, it it's just reminiscent of so many past French tries. It's the one in Twickenham, which has been showed a lot lately because uh, Nigel Stammer-Smith is really, really yeah, ill. He's, uh, yeah, he's got, got very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Classic also, bit of commentary as well, isn't it? I, I just yeah. love the way the Commodore What? Well, it was it's crept up on me then because he was still commentating in 2015. 15, Nigel Stammer-Smith. Yeah, if you listen to the clip, um, his son was saying that 
he noticed that he'd muddled up a couple of words during commentary, which he never does. Yeah. And a year later, he was completely racked with yeah. Alzheimer's. And then not long after that, he was in a home. So it was very sad. Um, but going back to my point, which was, oh, France, it, it, the, the big the big comparison for me as well, the, 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 the thing it brought to mind most, that effort was um, World Cup 99. Um, mm. The um, Dominici and Olivier Mania yeah. and uh, all, all that kind of thing, where they just went into I don't know cheat mode or whatever, yeah. whatever you would call it. It just the All Blacks couldn't suddenly couldn't lay a finger on them. Um, You're right. It was it was like obviously the the stakes weren't as high as uh, as they were in '99, but no. it was. Um, or, or it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't as unexpected. Ninety nine was to- a bolt from the blue. You know, the All Blacks were dominant at that stage. Well, and crucially in ninety nine, the All Blacks steamrolled them in the first half. You know, it yeah, was uh, yeah. it was amazing, and yeah. and that it was just the you know one of those greatest greatest comebacks of uh, mm. of all time territory. And um, while we're talking of amazing tries and brilliant bits of genius, have you seen the Ed Howley? Try for Bridgend this weekend. No, I have not. No. Oh, oh, oh Murph, you will love it. You will absolutely. <laughs> Has that been doing the rounds it. on Twitter, or it's been doing the rounds on Twitter. Um, I'm obviously not committed enough to Twitter. No. Well, yeah. Who who would have thought that that would have been the case? Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Talk amongst yourselves while I see if I can actually share this with you um, right now because this would be uh, fantastic if I can. You I'm mean, not watching it. Do you mean I got to talk amongst myself? Well, yeah, it's not exactly. impossible, but uh, tricky. Like it'd be, it'd be easier if one of the boys is <laughs> here to talk to, hey, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, you you carry on talking to me, Worth, while I, well, I try and dig this out because I'd love to get your reaction live on it. Well, funny enough, uh, on the subject of talking to uh, yourself, um, my club played Dusselavera away yesterday, and it was quite oh, yeah. quite fresh up there. The weather a little bit nippy and uh, towards the end of the game one of our wingers <laughs> was so cold I caught him talking to himself <laughs> <laughs> I just I said keep moving mate keep moving he hadn't, he hadn't been anywhere near the ball in a long time and he was just muttering under his breath I, don't, I couldn't work out what he was saying <laughs> but I just remember, keep moving mate you'll be alright keep moving oh, fantastic let's see if uh, I can yeah. share my screen now Murph because I would love to get your reaction on this okay um, right. Okay, I'm going to keep the uh, I'll keep the volume off, shall I? Just so. Uh, okay. Can you see that? Yeah. So Brent, Brent Ravens and Swansea, is it? Or yes, it is. Yeah. Right, oh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, it's a shame. Yestin's not on for this one as well. Yeah. 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 Right. Watch yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, I got a jumpy screen. A bit... Oh no. Yeah. No, it's not working. It's not playing. You got it. Hang on. Oh, he headed the ball. Okay. Oh, do you... weirdly, Mrs. Murphy has mentioned this, and I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> And now I've oh, seen you it. should have you should have bought her on. Yeah, she's yeah yeah yeah, she's more committed to Twitter. See, clearly, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a, a piece of absolute genius. So Ed Howley um, used to be at Cardiff. He was at Cardiff. Yes, yeah, yeah. he was the same the same Ed Howley. Um, right. But yeah, that's a that's a piece of genius. Nice. Um, well, that didn't work out as well as I hoped. To be honest, Murph, we got the I general was, gist. I mean, Mark Ring is no, still out of his got, knee until they stopped I, it. I got the general gist. Can you not? Can you not <laughs> Can you not near it anymore? Uh, no one does it anymore, so I assume it must be not allowed anymore. No one did it then, apart from Mark Ring. Yeah. No, I, I, I've played in games where the ref has said no, but that might have been because, I don't know, the ref's pulled it back for it in a game I played where someone tried to near over the head, over the top. Uh, you can't deliberately head a ball either. You can't, pl- you can't lob a ball in the head and nod it forward, can you? That was just because the ball had been kicked forward and then he ran and it, yeah, but you can if it was coming towards you, you could deliberately head it, couldn't you? I don't know. Um, Cause it, it's, I don't know. Because it's quite murky if you're lobbing it up in the air to yourself and then heading it. <laughs> you know, there's very little advantage we're to it. Getting, I'd say. We're straying very close to Gaelic football if we start getting into that kind of thing. Uh, I would say so, anyway. I think I think we're straying very close into madness. This is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, we're delving into stream of consciousness stuff here now, well, uh, as well. I, I blame the other two; they've left us no choice. I know. I think we've done a damn good job, mate. <laughs> if I'm honest, to get an to get an hour's worth of uh, I can't really call it entertainment. If we waffle. get an hour's worth of waffle out of, out of this week's rugby, I think I think we've done a good job. And I'm sober. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Not for long though. Good man. Well, let's not uh, let's not delay your uh, your nip to the pub any um, <laughs> any longer, and uh, and we'll call it we'll call it quits for this week. Uh, thanks to the mighty Murph for a sterling effort as always. Cheers, buddy. And uh, a, a thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Jamie Roberts podcast yet, there's one more plug for you. Please go back and have a listen um, and let us know what you think. And if you've enjoyed it, then uh, yeah, drop us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. Uh, and we'll be back to chat rugby with you next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.